from Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street. Truman Jones is on News Radio WGNS. Good morning, Rutherford County. Rutherford. What the water? What is that sound? Um, it, it's that's, echoing. That's you on the radio. Oh, is that me? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like me. Uh, well, well you, oh, you, we just barely got in under the wire. We weren't working 20 minutes ago, so we got it fixed. Good. And thank you, Brian Barrett. Yes. I don't know. I don't think we would ever be on the air if it wasn't for Brian. Of course, you're listening to Greg Tucker. It's actually his show today. I'm just a guest and just happened to be here, dropped by, had some breakfast. And uh, Greg, you're one of my favorite people in the whole world. Well, and, this and, is, and we, you're one of the few attorneys I get along with. That's because I'm retired, probably. <laughs> Would I not have liked you when you were actually that's practicing? Very, that's very possible. Uh, no, that that's not possible. Uh, well, we got a big week coming. Not only is it uh, our Independence Day week. Yeah. Uh, it's also for my family uh, when we rob the bees. I'm gonna do that on Friday. And, uh, is that is that a criminal act? Uh, it, the bees think so. Yeah. You can tell by the way they react. Uh, but uh, we put them back together and give them a little uh, sugar water. And they Bless come their hearts. <laughs> they work so hard and they then do. somebody comes in and just and, takes over. In, in terms of the amount of effort on the part of the farmer, the bees are probably the most rewarding thing on the farm. Because uh, what little you do... Uh, pays off uh, over and over and over. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you have any uh, graduates that um, are in your family? I know that that's all I did this last weekend was go to graduation parties, go to the graduation in Eagleville. And you know what it did? It reminded me of my graduation, at, at the one at Eagleville. It was very similar, uh, very simple, very well done. And uh, I, I was so happy to see my, my grandson, True, uh, graduate, and little Lauren, uh, his girlfriend. And, uh, and then the, the parties never ended. And, and that, was, that was really, really special to see the young people just really having a good time after uh, those, I guess, well, actually it was 13 years. It was 12 years for you and myself. But... Uh, it, they, it was 13 years for the people today. Oh, they start out together in kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was just perfect. And, and I went over to Lauren's house uh, yesterday and uh, got to meet one of my classmates, one of my special classmates. And uh, it was uh, Janie Waddell Alsop and uh, uh, her uh, uh, husband that passed on like uh, Jackie did me same thing and uh, it was um, it was a, uh, a special day really enjoyed it well I'm glad to hear that uh, Eagleville decided to do a, a real graduation yeah. let the kids walk across the stage and mm -hmm. get it I enjoyed a graduation with a grandson in uh, Arlington Virginia but it was a virtual graduation uh, they did it all online, so we watched it on the computer. Mm -hmm. And uh, they called everybody's name, and when they did, they showed those those kids. Uh, but it was all, what would you say, K-12 
canned, done electronically. Yeah. So the kids were at home like we were, watching themselves on TV. Uh, but they managed to do something that would be memorable for the for the kids. Yeah. But not quite what a real walk across the stage. No. Uh, Nothing they can take that place. Yeah. Nothing at all. That's true. Let's see. Let me say a thank you to somebody. The uh, other day I was in a hurry to get somewhere, and I got this car that I hadn't figured out yet, and it comes up on the dash in front of me and says tire low, and it shows all four tires, and sure enough, one tire had dropped down pressure. Uh, that's interesting. I drove on a little bit further, and I saw it dropping, dropping, dropping. When it got down to 18 pounds of air pressure, I thought I'd better do something. I was on northeast broad, northwest broad. That's and not far from Bud's. No, I thought about getting over to Bud's, my friend Bud. I needed to take care of it, but the way it was dropping so fast, I looked up and I thought, where's the nearest place? I pulled into Tire World, and uh, in 30 minutes, they had me going again. Everything okay? Uh, I did. I had picked up a mail or something. And I said, well, what do I owe you? And they said, oh, nothing. That's fine. Well, we're glad to help. Well, I appreciate the help. And uh, wanted to say something nice about them. Nice people. And uh, there was no reason for them to do me a particular favor. They were busy. Uh, and you're driving a Chrysler, right? Yeah. Well, see, I, I'm driving a, a Jeep. And I was having the same thing that you were having when I went to pick you up for the uh, ham breakfast last Saturday. Uh, and guess what? It fixed itself. Well, good. It, it, it was showing no uh, air whatsoever. And uh, by the time I stopped and got out and looked at the tire, it actually had 40 pounds in it. Now, see, if you'll just spend that extra amount of money for a car, it'll... And get a self-healing car. Yeah. yeah, that's a good concept. Probably Elon Musk came up with that, that concept. Yes. Yeah, well... Now, can you breathe today? Breathing a little better, but the, uh, the Saharan dust cloud was noticed. Yeah. Particularly on uh, Saturday, I think that was a peak day, and part of it was interesting and and uh, almost pretty. The uh, I learned later the particles, which are basically sand dust, mm -hmm. reflect light. From Chad. Yeah, from the North Africa, Chad, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Uh, they reflect and refract the light because the sky, if you had looked at it mid-morning Saturday, was milky looking. Almost no mm -hmm. no uh, contrast, no blue white, all uh, about the color of milk, and that was caused by by the dust. And then uh, late in the day, driving back from being in town, uh, it was evident because everything looked hazy, mm -hmm. and it, was, it wasn't the usual mist or steam. <laughs> it was that dust. And if anybody was outside, as we were, he began to feel it. Yeah. Uh, you could tell there was something making breathing a little bit harder. Well, I walked for about an hour that morning, and it hit me later on after I got in. So I said, well, I'll do all my exercises over at the MAC from now on. Uh, yeah, we have to make compromises sometimes. Yeah. You know, um, you brought in an interesting article that you that you have with you this morning, and um, 
it, it reminded me, uh, I was over at uh, my son Barry and, and Donald uh, Kim's house the other day, and he showed me a um, program. It's basically news and very conservative. And uh, it, uh, it was, I only had African Americans who were the reporters that were sending the news back to us and, and um, I had never seen that station before and if you were to watch that and then watch the the big news stations they were entirely entirely opposite of what they were reporting at the time and I, I, I thought that uh, they were actually logically reporting what they felt like and what the news the big news stations were actually falsely reporting just about all the relations type that were going on and they were saying all these protesters are not doing anything for them whatsoever uh, at all simply because uh, basically they were representing the people the lawbreakers and not representing the, the black community itself and, and that's something that you and I have seen over the years uh, why would they allow um, people who are supposedly representing the, what's going on in this country and they're they're falsely reporting things just to stir things up I, I don't know how they can get away with it I, I don't know what the motives or the objectives are, but uh, some of it, some of it is scary uh, as to where we think we're going. Yeah. Uh, our uh, Confederate Memorial Monument on the square has been a target and uh, focused a lot of attention on it. Uh, just as a matter of history, uh, I was curious. I read actually a report uh, from the news radio that the statue was built in the 1960s. I knew that was incorrect, so I pulled up some data on it. A couple of interesting things. The monument itself, the base is built out of native limestone. Mm -hmm. There are four plaques, one on each side, which are polished granite. Mm -hmm. And then the limestone goes on up to the top. The figure on the top is what I call a generic soldier. Probably if you toured the, the southeast, you'd find that same figure used repeatedly. Uh, it was a standard piece available for, for that purpose. Um, but the pedestal was actually done by a local company. There was a company at their, their place of business on Church Street, North, East, North Church Street, mm -hmm. called Nugent, N-U-G-E-N-T, Nugent and Company. And they're the ones that bid originally for the United Daughters of the Confederacy, which was presented to the commission. And uh, but all they did, all they bid on was the pedestal itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, interesting, uh, of course, you have to factor what dollars were worth back then. But the bid for the pedestal, as I just described it, including all material, the labor of assembling it, mm -hmm. the polished granite, and all, was eight hundred and fifty-five dollars. Took wow. took the United Daughters of the Confederacy a couple of years of fundraising to be able to budget it because mm -hmm. they didn't start building it until they had all the money together to, to get it done. Uh, the 
figure is uh, from an out-of-town, probably out-of-state firm. I'm not sure. I don't have information on what it costs, but just relative to the pedestal and all that's involved the pedestal, the figure on top probably was $150 for that. <clears throat> so the entire monument back in uh, 1897-98 was estimated to be about $1,000. And when it was finally dedicated early in the century, uh, 1901-02, uh, the United Daughters of the Confederacy were able to cover the cost purely with volunteer uh, donations. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they put it in the wrong place. I suspect the county paid 10 years later, or eight or nine years later, to move it over to where it is now, which is where it was supposed to have been placed according to the original mm -hmm. uh, action of the county court. Uh, it probably cost them a good bit more to move it 10 years later than it did to build it initially, but uh, we don't have that data. How much would that kind of relate to this day as far as the, the cost would be? Half a house, probably. Uh, Fifty to a hundred thousand, somewhere in that range. Wow, that's, that's just a guess, knowing uh, how the value of money has changed. But also, stone masonry today mm -hmm. is uh, is an artisan skill that you don't find everywhere. So yeah. uh, it would be a major, really a major uh, expense now. Might be interesting to look at some of the newer monuments that have been erected in Washington D.C. and all, and see. Because we're talking about millions of dollars mm -hmm. uh, for some of the elaborate monuments that have been up there. Uh, give you an idea. Uh, you know, that's something that uh, represents the uh, community where it sits. Uh, and how can someone come in and d deliberately take a statue down or... Uh, how how in the world could you go through the court system? Because that's something for the people who who live in those particular areas, or, or for the whole country. Well, last week we noted that uh, if the if the county court, which was called back in the 1890s, voted to uh, permit the Daughters of the Confederacy to put up a monument, mm -hmm. and the Daughters of the Confederacy paid for it. Yeah. If today the uh, those that oppose uh, the monument for whatever reason would uh, work through the uh, legislative procedures that are, have been in place for 200 years, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the determination is it should be moved, and then uh, the interesting group raises the funds to do it, then there's not a whole lot we could complain about, but because uh, you know the majority should rule, but uh, it has a different meaning to different people. For me, I remember the monument because I remember playing on it and around it while my granddaddy gossiped with his buddies up on the square. Mm -hmm. And it didn't, it didn't mean anything to me in terms of uh, the objectives of the conflict. In fact, I probably wasn't even... Uh, I knew there was a soldier-looking fellow up on top of it. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's something I remember with my granddaddy. Yeah. He'd take me over and say, Honey, you, you uh, play right around here. And you can kind of climb halfway up the side of it back then. Uh, and uh, uh, then we'll go get that uh, creamsicle or whatever it was he promised me that day. And 
you know, it's it's part of my life, part of my memories. So, you know, I would be one who would vote against doing anything different there. But uh, if there's a majority that thinks we ought to do something different. You talking about in the in the legislative court system, right? I'm talking about the legislative, the one that represents the opinions of the people. You see, I have a different thought on that. I think that the people should be able to vote on something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, all right. Yeah, the process. Yeah. One way is to vote for your representative in the court. The other is to do it by referendum. No, I want them a straight vote from the people who are there. Yes. All right. Uh, yes, in, in theory, the referendum, the popular vote, uh, is, is the, the one most nearly uh, reflecting uh, the interest of the group. Yeah. Uh, talk about uh, remembering, though, let's not forget that Friday is, no, Saturday, Saturday. is uh, the 4th of July. Yeah. And the, the, the term we use, the 4th of July, leaves us a little short, I think. Uh, the formal name of the holiday is Independence Day. Yeah. And we're celebrating the date, July 4th, 1776, when representatives of the colonies first voted to uh, separate from England. Mm -hmm. But it didn't happen then. It was, in fact, the Declaration of Independence was, you could call it aspirational, uh, you could call it a threat, uh, but it took them five years of a rather bloody war before uh, there was real independence. Yeah. And the, the, those who signed the Declaration of Independence under the rule of the laws of the sovereign, which was England, mm -hmm. were traitors. So they were showing a great deal of uh, courage and maybe even recklessness in being willing to put their names because they were essentially signing their mm -hmm. confession to treason. And, uh, for example, John Hancock, you know, we, we make jokes about, you know, put your John Hancock on yeah. this or something. Uh, he made the point. He said, uh, uh, I'm not intimidated. I'm not afraid of the king. I'm not afraid of his. And if if uh, I'm signing my death warrant, so be it. I want to be sure they know it's me. And he signs right in the middle of the document, bottom of the document, the big John Hancock. In part, I think he was encouraging the others. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, but a dangerous thing to do had the continental or the colonial forces not succeeded, the patriots as they were called. Uh, all of those that have been essentially confessed treasoners, uh, traitors to the uh, king. And we also need to remember, when we celebrate that independence, that it was not a unanimous attitude. In fact, it's particularly interesting if you look at the western war front, uh, western North Carolina being a very active area. The Patriots, as we call them, were in almost every battle not facing British soldiers or British regulars or redcoats. That it was brother against brother, their neighbors, because a lot of the Western North Carolina citizens at the time did not favor separation from England, probably because of the uh, agricultural economy, the major buyer mm -hmm. of uh, the produce of North Carolina was England, 
And uh, if you look at uh, the name familiar to all of us, Rutherford, Griffith Rutherford, he was involved in uh, three battles. And in each one of the battles, the primary, well, he, he failed to show up for one of them uh, and came in too late on another. Mm -hmm. uh, but the opposing forces there were uh, the Tories, the Loyalists, who uh, opposed the independents. And uh, there were a lot of uh, losses on both sides because most of the uh, combatants on both sides were farmers, mm -hmm. uh, local people, uh, inexperienced uh, in warfare, and uh, a lot of bloodshed on both sides. A lot of it was, uh, it was really, uh, you, you didn't know which way it was going to go for a long time. But if you think about the leadership, uh, in our country at the time and all the, the decisions they had to make and uh, you know uh, they're under fire now because of just uh, simple things but uh, it, it, it's amazing if, if, if you wanted to replace our leadership except for the president right now with the people that uh, uh, are here right now there's no way I would make that decision because those people were pretty rock solid and they had their own lives at stake. And can you imagine having to, um, of course, that, there were a lot of angry meetings that they had back during those days as you were talking about because it, it, it was uh, they were pretty solid on what their beliefs were. But if you look at how we turned out, I mean, um, those are some of the greatest people that ever walked on this earth as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'm confident that if Truman Jones Jr. had been one of the signers, Truman Jones would be one of the biggest names on the sheet. I don't write that, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a man of principle stands on it. Well, I, I think most of the people who live in this country are people of principle. The, 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 the terrible thing is we don't always put those particular type of people we need in office and, and, and uh, a, a lot of it has simply become a uh, political drag on, on the media which is which really bothers me. Well, uh, we say this almost every four years but uh, the, what goes on today in the political world or the governing world is enough to discourage so many of our competent, capable, potential yeah. leaders that we don't get those people willing to, to put themselves out there. Uh, but. Well, I tell you one thing, that, one thing that we've really done that's been terrible is that we've attacked the people that probably mo mean more to this nation than any other, and that's our teachers and our people who protect us, our law enforcement people. And, and we've got to get back on target with that. And we reward those people so thinly. Yeah. I mean, we were talking over breakfast about the starting salary for a, a sheriff's deputy or a policeman and the starting salary for teachers. Yeah. Uh, it's absurd. Yeah. It certainly is not what attracts them into the business or into the profession. And uh, in some cases, I'm sure it discourages them. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, we're talking about defunding somehow. It should be going the other way. Now, there may be a question about the best way to spend the money. But 
you know, we need to we need to realize that uh, these are indispensable. Yeah. Law enforcement and education. Uh, let me do a commercial for WGNS uh, before I forget it. Uh, Independence Day, Saturday. The fireworks are going to be out near the uh, are going to be based out near the uh, hospital over towards the interstate. Mm -hmm. And I'm told by uh, Bart Walker that they're going to be the type of firework that goes up higher before it explodes. Mm -hmm. So you can be seen from quite a distance. And the idea is you can sit in your backyard in parts of town uh, or go to a park area in parts of town and uh, see some of the fireworks. And uh, there will be a musical accompaniment. And the way you get that is to tune in WGNS, if I'm correct. And I think so Brian's going to do that, I believe. You watch the fireworks and you hear on the radio the music. And also, there's going to be a little history commentary by the county historian. I'm not sure how they're going to use it, but uh, either before or during. There'll be a uh, little uh, short. So you're going to do that? I have done it. It's been recorded, and that's why I say I'm not sure how they're going to use it. Uh -huh. But we spent about an hour recording, maybe oh, a half dozen to a dozen different topics relating to the celebration of independence. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope somebody listens so they can tell me how it worked out. You know what I'd love for you to have when you're doing that? Do you remember the old Red Skelton uh, uh, when he did the, uh, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance and he explained it all the way through? Yeah, I read and, it uh, that was, I, It yeah. brings tears to my eyes every time I hear it. And, and it, 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 if you have a touch of of patriotism in your heart it, that, that's one of the yeah. more special things i believe if you're computer savvy you can go on youtube and actually see the, the tape of him doing it mm -hmm. and also you can get the text of it yeah uh, which is what i read not, not too long ago and it catches your eye when you when you come across it because it's out of character the red skeleton yeah you know, yeah we think of uh the characters he played and, and some of the close to the edge humor. Wouldn't that be great for every first grade in the country to play that every morning before school started? It'd be a good reminder. Yeah. Really would. Of course, I'm the generation, you're the generation when uh, we all were very closely focused on the Pledge of Allegiance. Yes. Early 1950s, I'm maybe first or second grade school in Sunny Slope, Arizona. And we all went out on the grounds around the flag and said the said the Pledge of Allegiance with a new phrase. What was the new phrase? Do what not. I was listening to that music. It was come on. We're supposed to be gone, but uh, right. under God, under God, under God. Yeah. Understand. Okay. All right. We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back with you. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. Sold by MK, powered by EXP Realty. Let's say that you're coming to me and you'd like to make a purchase and we get you pre approved. However, to put 3% down on that, as well as cover your own closing costs, might be a bit much with what you have on hand. So we have lenders 
lenders at this time who are offering loan closing cost assistance as well as down payment assistance and you could get up to $15,000 in grants to cover those items for you. So why wait? Give me a call today. Mary Catherine Hughes, sold by MK, powered by EXP Realty. Don't miss the Durango Boots 4th of July Bash this Friday at French's Shoes and Boots. Family fun from 9 a.m. until 7 p.m. with music, food, gifts, prizes, live performances, and a chance to win a pair of boots every hour. Celebrate the 4th with 20% off a new pair of Durango Boots all weekend long. See you at the Durango Boots 4th of July Bash at French's Friday. It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and Boots. 1837 South Church Street here in Murfreesboro. If you want to get some barbecue, I'll tell you how to do it. Head for the Slick Pig and you're into it. Just walk through the door at 1920 East Main and your nose will send a message right to your brain. Say, mmm, smells good. And barbecue. Slick Pig. We got ribs and beans. Got spicy wings. Slick Pig. A Murfreesboro tradition. 1920 East Main. We're doing some flag waving as we celebrate Independence Day in Murfreesboro. The Heart of Tennessee annual Murfreesboro fireworks display will light up the sky at 9 p.m. July 4th. There's a new location on Medical Center Parkway. Although there's no official venue for games, music, or food, you can join us here on WGNS beginning at 7 p.m. from wherever you view the fireworks display for the pre-show. We'll have music and surprise guests leading up to a patriotic melody accompanying the fireworks display all heard on FM 100.5, 101.9, and AM 1450. The Heart of Tennessee annual Murfreesboro Fireworks Display, July 4th, is presented by the City of Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro Parks and Recreation, Murfreesboro Police Department, Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue, and WGNS Radio. Find a place in the Medical Center Parkway area, bring a picnic, your lawn chairs, and listen to WGNS beginning at 7 p.m., leading up to the 9 p.m. fireworks display set to music. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. 22-year-old Victor Bustillo was accused of kidnapping and later rape in 2019. Bustillo, who's now 23, was indicted on a rape one charge, but pled guilty earlier this month to a lesser offense of statutory rape. He was sentenced to serve a total of six years in prison and got credit for the 10 months he served in jail while awaiting his court date. He'll be eligible for release after serving four months shy of two years. Part of the sentence requires Bastillo be registered on the Tennessee sex offender list and do not have contact with the victim. Rutherford County School Board will meet July 9th to consider the best route to reopening classrooms for the upcoming year. Director of Schools Bill Spurlock says there are a couple of plans being considered. The first plan involves traditional. We will be back on our campuses with instruction while following the CDC guidelines and the information that is provided us by the state and local health department. Our second plan involves what we call a hybrid. We will divide up students in an A-B schedule. Half will go on Monday while the other half on Monday will be in our distance learning at home. And then on Tuesday, we will switch that and we will alternate with the ex exception of Friday where everyone will be on distance learning. The director did mention a third option, which would be all distance learning. Spurlock says any decisions made will be done within CDC guidelines and with information from local and state health departments. A serious two-vehicle crash shut down both lanes of traffic on Medical Center Parkway Sunday night. It happened near the Searcy Street Greenway Trailhead and the new Murfreesboro Fire Hall Number 4. Five people taken to the ER at St. Thomas Rutherford. Rain may have been a factor in the two-vehicle crash. 
News on demand 24-7 at WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. All right, guys, prioritizing your health now is more important than ever. It's important to not only build your immune system, but to address any chronic health issues you may have. As you might know, I've been personally recommending Low T Center for years. Yes, this is Scott. It all starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment exclusively for men, making it quick and easy to take care of your health, and they're following all CDC guidelines. And now they're offering monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures to ensure your safety. At Low T Center, most insurance is accepted, and they can verify it for you. Be sure to book your appointment and make your health a priority, and don't wait. Call 615-603-3542. That's 615-603-3542. Or book online at LowTCenter.com. Again, that's LowTCenter.com. Or call 615-603-3542. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. If only I could spend my whole paycheck on new tires. Said no one ever. Which is why Bud's Tire Pros makes buying Michelin tires simpler. Allison Mitchell at Bud's Tire Pros says that they offer a straightforward approach to service and they include a nationwide warranty with every purchase. We're your one-stop shop for all your automotive needs, including alignments, oil changes, brake service, engine repair, and much more. Stop by today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Tire Pros, hassle-free guaranteed. Visit BudsTireProsTN.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a spotty showers and thunderstorms here for this afternoon with partial sunshine developing in a high around 90. Winds out of the west to 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 80. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. Well, we're back, Greg. Well, yesterday was the anniversary we ought to acknowledge, June 28th, and people get confused. June 28th was when the Treaty of Versailles was signed, ending World War One. I. I thought that was Versailles. I know the Versailles wasn't over there, Versailles was. It's spelled the same, and it is just out of uh, Rockvale. The Treaty of Versailles, <laughs> which ended the, the war officially, mm-hmm. has also, uh, historians also say it was a, a uh, contributing cause to World War II. Uh, the Treaty of Versailles, of course, we confuse it with Armistice Day. Armistice Day, the 11th, the 11th, the 11th, was uh, an end of the fighting. Mm-hmm. But it took them about another five months, six months, to uh, get a treaty together officially in the end. The treaty has in it what today is referred to as the Guilt Clause. The Guilt Clause required that Germany, Germany acknowledge its responsibility for the war and the losses in the war. Mm-hmm. It went on to require that Germany give up certain territory, that Germany completely disarm, 
and that Germany make some very significant uh, payment of reparations to the other countries that were damaged. Uh, the reason uh, this is thought of as a, a contributing factor to World War II is that it gave Hitler, 10 years later, the uh, re rhetoric and ammunition to appeal to those that felt like Germany was being unfairly treated and uh, contributed to his rise to power in Germany, uh, condemning the so-called and actually, the Kaiser in uh, exile probably was the first to insist that Germany was not responsible. Mm -hmm. That, uh, and in fact, it had begun, you know, with the assassination of the Archduke, which curiously also happened on June 28, five years before the end of the war. So, uh, another date that we should we should take note, particularly because I think. Uh, Going into my own files, the uh, let, let me tell you, uh, that phone. The person is waiting with the, who wants to talk. Um, after Greg gets through with his, we'll get to you. Gets through with his. I was going to remind us that uh, millions died in that war. Yes, but uh, 29 of them were from Rutherford County. Yeah. And uh, most of them are very familiar family names from Murfreesboro, Baskin, Elrod, mm -hmm. Holden, uh, Mitchell's overalls, uh, several from Smyrna, several from Christiana, even uh, Walter Hill and Gum, uh, Laverne, uh, Las Casas, all saw the loss of young men in that war. Yeah. Uh, one other point I'd make is uh, there was an induction board back in that war. They called it the induction board. Uh, in World War II, we began to call it the draft, the yeah. draft board. Um, but on July 28, 1918, the induction board announced that 83 local men were being called for military service. This was the first draft call of that war in Rutherford County, 83. Uh, and then it's interesting the way they list them. They list them by race mm -hmm. and by where they were going for training. Mm -hmm. 21, I'm quoting directly now from the newspaper, which was quoting the induction board announcement. 21 white men to go to Fort Thomas, Kentucky. Two white men to go to Camp Shelby, Mississippi. 40 colored men to go to Camp Sherman in Ohio. Good night. 20 white men to go to Camp Gordon in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And uh, they noted in the Home Journal on July 28, 1918, mm -hmm. that this call exhausts all of the qualified white men that the board had identified, but left for future calls 42 qualified colored men. Uh, among those that were being called, we see names like Tom Lee Victory, Earl C. Lehew, D. Compton, Claude Sneed, again, familiar names of that era, which is still with us, many of them. I wonder if the Claude Lehew was from Walter Hill. Very likely. In yeah. Fact, in fact, there's an Earl Lehew today. <laughs> All right. Uh, caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Hey, thank you, Tom. 
I just, I love the Greg Tucker show. Just wanted to say that. And, uh, yeah. Well, I had a question for you. Last Friday, I, I caught the tail end of it, but it was Johnny B and Shane and Nikki and Avan on there. Was that a, was that live or was that a rerun? It was a rerun. I thought it was. I thought, but, I, but it was just good to hear it anyway. But I see Shane. Oh, I'm they're back at, at Hannibal now. Chain, I don't know if you've seen him. He's got a big beard. <laughs> Looks like a mountain man. But uh, the main reason I wanted to call is uh, my mother, uh, I still have some stuff at my parents' house, and my mother brought me oh, some just different things, clothes and stuff. But one of them was a bag of books. And right on top was a book by Dan Whittle. That, uh, <laughs> I, uh, now, obviously, I, I want it there because it, it's written in, in the front of it. Uh, best wishes to Michael Parker, compliments to Marty Luffman, and the Truman Show, WGNS Radio, and signed Dan, Dan and Pat Whittle. But I, I miss old Dan Whittle. I, I never met him, never knew him, but I loved to hear him on your radio show. But just wanted to share that with you. But. Well, thank you very much, and I still miss him too. And I thank everybody that. Uh, met him at any time. Uh, he left. He left a lasting impression on all of us. Oh, he did. I, I, I just yeah. what a storyteller and what a what a life and career he had. But uh, I just want to share that with you. That, that's that's a book. That's a prize possession right there. So. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Any, uh, anyway, I love the Greg Tucker show on Mondays, and 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 uh, y'all have a good day, man. Thank you very much, and. Uh, uh, you're you're one of uh, uh, many people that love to hear Greg on the show, and he's he he uh, he is um, one of the great storytellers of all time. I, I would say, I and a, when you hear it, it, it's accurate. I got a good text. Our history. Yes, yes. And uh, I find so many stories of of, of such minute impact. Mm-hmm. Are today so interesting because they give us a, a, a clue as to how we got to where we are. Yeah, you know, uh, you remind me of somebody that um, the book and the movie uh, Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. You relate history back like Harper Lee relates it back in. If any time anyone wanted to to have a movie of what Rutherford County is all about, uh, that's all they have to do is talk to you. And, and, of course, you've written, what, five books? Is that right? We've got four published. And you got another one going on? We're working on the fifth one. Yeah, yeah. So th- th- that's pretty special. I went to w- watch that movie the other night over at Premier Six, and I, I don't know what it is, but it just really has a strong hold on me. It, it, it reminds me a lot of my childhood growing up here, but it, they were, it, it was a, a special time, and when you talk about young kids and, and relate uh, the times that they were growing up in some of the, uh, I guess, the more rural times in the this country, it was really, really special. Well, we were talking a little bit about the anniversary of World War One. It's 101 years since the uh, Treaty of Versailles. Uh, but I'm reminded of a couple of our local boys, several of our locals, who uh, were involved in that war. One of them was Clinton Miller, 
Mm-hmm. Remember Quentin Miller? Do I remember Quentin Miller? His last name was Smith. Q.M. Smith. Oh, okay. I got you now. <laughs> I was fortunate enough, and I now can't remember how I came about it, but I have a copy of his own uh, writing of his experience in World War One. Wow. And many of us, uh, for many, many years, had the misconception, which came out of just speculation, I think, uh, QM had a speech impediment. And the story, which nobody ever asked him about, apparently, was that uh, it was an effect of the mustard gas during the time he was in military in World War One. Yeah, it was rough. Well, QM, in writing up his uh, own history, first made the point that he was in the Navy. So we know he never was in the trenches. Mm -hmm. He was in the U.S. Navy. And the first thing he managed to do was to get at odds with his uh, commander, ended up in detention as a recruit. I can relate to that. Yeah, and he said he spent the first several weeks in detention where he learned to sleep in a hammock Mm -hmm. and how to handle holy stone. What holy stone is? No. That's a piece. Never of, heard of it. Well, it's, uh, we would call it pumice or soapstone down here. Mm-hmm. And it was called holy stone because they used it to scrub down the decks, the wooden decks in the ships back in that time. And it puts you on your knees to use it. Holy stone. Mm. You got that? I got it. <laughs> uh, but his experience was odd because he was trained on sailing ships mm-hmm. and his first ship that he was assigned to was the USS Constellation Wow! a famous uh, sailing ship that was still apparently in service in the World War One period, not in combat obviously, but in service uh, that's the sister ship the USS Constitution mm-hmm. Ironside, mm-hmm. which is on display and uh, he did sea duty in a Spanish sailing ship um, doing transport until he finally got qualified to go to signal school. And he was a signal corpsman throughout the rest of his... uh, Wait a minute. I don't remember Q.M. Smith being that old. Oh, yeah. He was a young man in World War I. Wow. And uh, after the war, he got out in February 1919, discharged 1921, uh, never in combat, never any service-related disability other than sore knees mm-hmm. from the, the Holy Stone. Uh, he made, and this is a pattern you'll see, he made a difference in terms of World War II. Uh, and interesting, it had nothing to do with the Navy or ships, but the air coil. Because in the late 1930s, <clears throat> the Roosevelt administration funded what came to be called citizen pilot training. And QM had volunteered to go back into the military, and they wouldn't take him because of his age by that time, which would have only been in the 40s, but they were still not taking him. Yeah. But he started, he learned about this civilian pilot training program and made the application and got it funded here in Murfreesboro. It was not officially part of the college, but he was the president of the State Teachers College at the time. Mm-hmm. He brought it on campus, and that's how we first got the airport there on the campus. Now, what year was that? 1938-39. Wow. 
and in his first CPT class, which was 1939, three names very familiar to me and probably to you by now, uh, Julian Lytle, a direct descendant of Captain Lytle, mm -hmm. and actually the last uh, descendant to actually be raised in, Rutherford, in Murfreesboro with the name Lytle, direct out, Julian mm -hmm. Lytle. A uh, name that uh, we talk about from time to time, Bernie Lee Tucker. And a fellow from uh, Lebanon named Billy Birch. They were all three in that CPT. Mm -hmm. and they also were all three on the, uh, on the uh, football team that won the Thanksgiving Day game against Tennessee Tech in uh, 1940. And if you read Joe Nunley's book, The Fighting Forties, he gives quite I've a read bit. it. Yeah, he yeah. gives quite a bit to that. What also is probably not commonly known is that QM's three first group graduates all went into the South Pacific aviation and all were uh, earned uh, decoration uh, for their services in the South Pacific as pilots. Mm -hmm. So CM's program. Truman is being afflicted by something. This well, bug likes me for some reason. I didn't realize you were such a bugophobe. I think he's. I think he's done for. Also, the second most decorated uh, uh, soldier out of World War One in Tennessee is from Murfreesboro. We all know who the first one was. Mm -hmm. Alvin York. Alvin York. Well, Alvin York, of course, got the Congressional Medal of Honor. Uh, but James Allison Ridley got the Dis uh, Distinguished Service Cross, which is the award just below yeah. the Congressional Medal of Honor. And when uh, Ridley returned to Murfreesboro in Tennessee, he got also a big uh, parade and celebration and welcome home. And uh, what's interesting though, when you read his history, he got it twice. He uh, was third in command of a platoon and the first two leaders were lost. And he took over and managed to uh, prevail and capture a lot of the enemy. And about and it was recognized with the Distinguished Service Cross. Six months later, he did it again. The first one was awarded in Europe by Pershing. Mm -hmm. The second one was awarded by the uh, Department of Defense when he got back into the United States. Mm -hmm. So received it twice. Uh, he came back here when we've talked about it before. He was the owner operator of the Murfreesboro Mill grinding uh, mostly uh, wheat and making flour. And you and I have seen some of his old flour bags. He featured the, uh, the military personnel. Uh, my favorite is because I think it was him. Mm -hmm. He shows a uh, uh, army uh, fellow apparently on the battlefield and he's wounded. Uh, but he's still carrying his gun, and he's got in his hand three helmets, the German helmets of that of that period, the old Kaiser-looking helmet, mm -hmm. and uh, it's on a flower bag. And then there's another flower bag that has a picture of a female pilot in her headgear, looks like uh, maybe the Earhart or something, honoring the uh, 
women of the early Air Corps who were not in combat but were doing support work at the time. That's one thing women are, are, are really famous for is their flying ability. Because we we've had a, a, a number of them in the in the last 10 15 years that are that are ace pilots they're unbelievable uh, we were talking about QM not being a victim of uh, the gas that was used in the war and eventually led to the United Nations uh, banning of chemical warfare mm -hmm. for what that was worth but there was one Rutherford native who we know did suffer from that and uh, again, a prominent family. John Powers was the younger brother of the sheriff at the time, Washburn Powers, mm -hmm. Wash Powers. Wash Powers, yeah. He was inducted in uh, October 1917. And back then it was, as in World War II, you're inducted for the period of the emergency. Mm -hmm. In other words, you're in until the war is over. Uh, we have a picture of him and his uh, fellow inductees Whenever they put together a group to be shipped out, they would convene at the courthouse to be picked up, and they almost always somebody would make a picture. So we have several pictures of the inductees as they were getting ready to leave. Interesting. Some of them are dressed up in their Sunday best. Others look like they just walked off the farm, which was probably the case. Yeah. Uh, but uh, John Powers uh, did get uh, gassed in combat suffered respiratory damage. He returned home. Uh, very difficult to find work that he could handle, uh, but the VA hired him uh, just as it opened up, which was a good almost 15 years after he came back. Mm -hmm. But he was made a member of the uh, fire department at the VA, and uh, that put him in a position to pick up a little bit of pension. So the VA not only provided care for the those who needed treatment, but was a good employment base for yeah. that, same, that same group. You know, that's a great thing to have people who were actually veterans of the wars to go to work at the VA hospital because they understand the people that are there, and it makes a big difference. It does. And, uh, you know, the original purpose of the hospital was uh, mental, those with. Yeah. So uh, frequently it was necessary to uh, manhandle, physically uh, restrain and work with. And uh, I've heard several stories about some of those whose job was to just be available in the hall. And when uh, someone went over the edge to go in and get them down and calm them down and frequently hold them down until the episode passed. So. Uh, and you know the original, the original building out there, which is still there, but originally it had bars across the window mm -hmm. because uh, we didn't back then understand things like PTSD, and we didn't have the chemical uh, treatments. Uh, mm -hmm. Now they speak of chemical restraints, but when you compare the shot of something to calm them down to having to sit on them literally. Yeah. And hold them until you know, the episode passes for their the threat to themselves or others around them. Do you remember uh, they had a little uh, VA house between Rockville and Eagleville? Do you remember that one? I do remember the veteran's house there, yeah. And one of the great things was 
he would take care of them so well that once a year he would take the veterans down to Florida, to, down to the beach, and, and, and give them a, a little uh, free time and, and, and enjoyment where, uh, no, the other places, you know, just really don't do it. But have somebody that special uh, to uh, regard them as the heroes that they were. Well, it seems like 20, maybe 25 years ago, I remember driving in towards Eagleville and you would see them sitting out on the porch. Mm -hmm. On the left-hand side, going yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, I stopped by there a number of times, and those really were special people. Well, a question I can't answer. Was that strictly a private uh, operation, or was there some uh, yeah, I, Veterans Administration involvement there? Well, well I'm sure there's some a Veterans Administration involvement, because I think that he received some funding from the Veterans Administration, but uh, basically he ran it very privately. Yeah, that, that was the impression I had, but I yeah. wasn't sure. Interesting. Yeah, it was. Now, we're getting, well, actually, we've run out of time. Is that right? Is it five after? Goodness gracious, because I was wanting to ask you about your farm time over this last weekend, because it was pretty hot. I know that uh, we were out in a lot of functions, and I think that one of the days the uh, the feel like temperature was 97 degrees, pretty much right on 98 at the time. Well, I was riding on the open uh, John Deere, moving. Uh, I put up 70 round bales. Yeah. Uh, on Friday, and uh, that's a lot in one day. Yeah, and that's uh, that's it for the winter. That's all I need. Mm -hmm. So that 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 chore is done. Uh, it's fun to some extent trying to figure out how to stack them, how to move them. Some of them just will not take the spike. You end up having to roll them uh, and try again. Uh, but I'm glad it's done, and I didn't realize the time, but I guess that was the, one of the hottest days of the season so far, Friday. What did, did the princess get out and help you any? Princess Cora? She, uh, no, she came on Saturday and oh. helped a little with the bush hogging. Yeah. She can do anything, can't she? She wants to give it a try. Yeah. Well, is there anything else? Uh, are we on next Monday? Or are you still on vacation? No, we're on next Monday. I'm actually not on vacation. I'm just taking some time off. Staycation. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. I'm going to be off. Well, I guess I shouldn't say. Let people guess whether I'm on or not on. Or whether it's a rerun. The, yeah, or whether it's a rerun. Okay. But I do. We, we do have Ronnie Martin on tomorrow, and we're going to have Murfreesboro's police chief on, and we're going to talk about um, how they're responding to, to uh, all of the negative things that, that go on uh, in a community in this in today's world. And I thought that they did a magnificent job uh, protecting the downtown area. And, and that, that, was, that was pretty special. All right, guys, we will see you in the morning at 9 o'clock. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com.